Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Daily Objective, brought to you by the Ayn Rand Center UK, where we talk about everything uh, and apply the, the concepts of objectivism to pretty much current events, to, to any, any issue that you might find in your life. Sorry for the late start today. Uh, it's been a very busy day for all of us. I'm here with my, my partner in crime, James Valiant, and today the topic is going to be, should there be an upper limit for politicians, an age limit for politicians? I think uh, we've all seen the news recently. I mean, for Biden, it's been a constant a constant uh, uh, stream of gaffes and unfortunate uh, events, watching him muddle through international events and speeches. Uh, Mitch McConnell recently had a, a, a very strange and unfortunate medical moment, which we're going to show you in a few minutes. And of course, Dianne Feinstein, famously 90 years old, just got over shingles uh, and is apparently quite confused when she's in office and an unelected official had to tell her how to vote. These are frightening things because the, Mitch McConnell is the minority leader. Uh, Dianne Feinstein is a very powerful senator from California. And Biden is, of course, the most powerful person in the world. He's the president of the United States. So the question is, is there is there should there be an upper limit to the age? Now, before James unpacks this for me like he always has to, um, I want to say there shouldn't be an upper limit to age, but there should definitely be competency tests because we have a senator from Pennsylvania, Mr. Uh, Mr. Fetterman, who had a stroke uh, before the campaign and yet was still voted into office even though he has issues comprehending the spoken word. And we don't even know how much he can comprehend the written word. He seems to have deep cognitive issues. My heart goes out to the guy, even though he's politically the opposite, uh, polar opposite of myself but he's in, in very deep straits and I don't think capable of governing or voting. So I would say no age limit uh, provided the person's vigorous and cognitively capable. Uh, there should be definitely an age limit on the bottom section. Our, our founders understood that. That's why representatives have to be a minimum of, of 25 years old, senators 30, the president 35. Uh, they understood something about life experience and governing human beings that I think the modern generation doesn't. But James, do you have a different point of view than me or is, are you sort of on the same page? And and uh, maybe after we discuss this, or maybe what, what do you, when, when, do you when do you think we should uh, show the Mitch McConnell video? Because that's a pretty frightening. Show it. He really had an, a remarkable brain freeze the other day in front of the press. Uh, it, and he is the leader of the Republicans in Congress. So it's really astonishing. Uh, let's take a look at that if we can, Daniel. Yeah. After finishing the NDA uh, this week, been good bipartisan cooperation and a string of uh Anything else you want to say, or should we just go back to your office? Mm -hmm. Do you want to say anything else to the press? Is that hard to watch or what? That's just brutal. Uh, his colleagues are, you just want to go back to your office or what? And he stopped in mid-sentence and it, you know, he floated off. Um, that clearly shows there was a medical moment. I don't know if one incident by itself uh, should, I mean, 
that is a disturbing one. I think anyone looking at that would have to be concerned and sympathetic for whatever's going on with Senator McConnell. Again, not someone I, t I, d I tend to agree with a lot, a lot of times, but that dear, does indicate that there's a problem here. I do agree with you. I think there shouldn't be an upper age limit. Um, the statistics on uh, senile dementia uh, are pretty straightforward. Dementia is, of course, more prevalent among older ages, but only about 3% of adults between 70 and 74 have dementia. That was in 19, 2019 when they last uh, did this study, uh, compared to 22% uh, of adults from 85 to 89, but it becomes a third of all adults when it gets to 90 and older. So a third of all adults over the age of 90 do, but two thirds of adults over the age of 90 do not suffer from senile dementia, which is an interesting fact. You know, I have known people who were in their 60s who were seriously losing uh, cognitive capacity. And mm -hmm. I have known people, you know, I went to a men's retreat once uh, several years ago, it was put on by the Men's Center of LA. I met a 99 year old scholar. 99 years old. He could physically keep up with all of the young guys, with all mm -hmm. the activities we were doing, and he was sharp as a tack. He could quote Plato and Greek from memory. 99 years old. And so I think to myself, well, that, yeah, and he was an inspiration to all of us younger guys there. That's what I want to be. I'm 99, sharp as a tack and able to keep up with the young guys and the physical activities. Uh, so it's possible. I don't, I mean, there's 80 and then there's 80. You know what I mean? Now, when it came to the president, very interestingly, the founding fathers did give us uh, age limits, as and you correctly stated, the age uh, minimum age limits for uh, politic, federal political office. As time grew on, it became clear with cases like President Wilson, who did have a serious health issue when he was president, and behind the scenes, without most people knowing it, his wife was making most of the major decisions, uh, organizing things at the White House as the president really was the president for a while, uh, mm -hmm. great President Wilson. In the wake of things like that, in the wake of other incidents like that, we added an amendment to the US Constitution, which took into account a president's becoming disabled physically or mentally. We do not have the equivalent yet for United States senators. Now, um, this this amendment, the 25th Amendment you're talking about, was was talked about quite frequently during the Trump administration. But is nobody's whispering that anymore for Biden. Now, crazy, why is that crazy? You know, Biden is really uh, disturbing, frankly. Uh, it was before even the, the campaign. The man was prone to gaffes. Um, you know, he was never the sharpest tool in the shed. You know, he claimed to be one of the top graduates from his university at his law school, and it turned out he wasn't. He played, cheated in law school. He plagiarized all speeches from Neil Kinnock, the Labor Party leader. He was never really, he was a, a copycat and a liar. But then he had that brain surgery, as you recall. And ever That's since right. that- That's he had, right. He had an aneurysm or something, didn't he? He did, and he had to have very serious brain surgery. And after that event, I myself noticed that what might have been simply low IQ had turned into real confusion. And it's only gotten worse and worse since then. And I think it's obvious in my mind that he's that other people are making the, I mean, you look at those cards they give him. They give him the most simple instructions. Turn to your left. Now introduce the person, you know, they have these really like kindergarten lessons, you know, that they have uh, tracked out for him. So he knows what to do every time he makes a public appearance, which tells you something right there. 
the man and the man's statements and confusions uh, have gotten only gotten worse. So I do think that there has to come a point where that kicks in with Biden, obviously, uh, and it is more of a concern with him than I think any any of the presidents in my lifetime in terms of no. mental capacity. Now, I've noticed something. Uh, this may be a bit of a divergence from what we're talking about, but this seems to be this this kind of lying about the health and well-being of the, the president seems to um, seems to be quite a democratic trick. I mean, th they did it with Wilson. Now, apparently Wilson had the Spanish flu before he went to negotiate the Treaty of Versailles. Um, and he was hallucinating at the time. And many claim that because he was in sort of a strange state of mind, that's in part what made the treaty so unsatisfactory for the Germans. And then, of course, he had the stroke and his wife was running the country for a while. But let's not forget that Franklin Delano Roosevelt was very ill for a long time. Well, first, they hid his paralysis from most people, right? He was never photographed in his wheelchair. He, he had braces and he would be standing behind podiums. It was years as a kid before I knew that Franklin Delano Roosevelt actually couldn't walk um, because every picture I'd seen of him in a history book had him standing behind a podium or sitting in a car with his famous uh, cigarette. But he had dangerous spikes in blood pressure that eventually led to him having a massive stroke in 1945. All of this health stuff hidden. John F. Kennedy, likewise, he was he was pictured in Time Life magazine as being the picture of health. We find out that he was on steroids and speed because he had Addison's disease and he had this he had a debilitating back illness, which ironically he, he was wearing a back brace at the time he was assassinated. And ironically, had he not been wearing that back brace, which he had to put on after having an illicit affair with one of his lovers. Uh, he probably would have been able to fall forward after the first shot and might have lived through that assassination. So history is very strange oh. that way. And now we have Biden, who's clearly suffering from is a pitiable person to watch. I don't like making fun of him like the people on the right do. I think it's a terrible situation he's in. But he's placing us in danger as well by not by not seating the throne. That's the point. He's he's not like the rest of us. He's actually got his finger on the nuclear bomb. He's not like the rest of us. He's actually got to go negotiate with world leaders. Not like he has an important job or anything, and we want someone kind of on the ball for it. Uh, it is sad, and it is always sad to me when people uh, reach that state. But like you say, it's in his case, it's really rather important because he's got the most powerful job in the world. Um, I think we need an amendment to... Uh, include senators. I think we need an amendment to include House members too, where there's some kind of automatic review if they become mentally. I mean, look at Dianne Feinstein. She was a no-show for what a couple of months earlier. The Democrats yeah. have a one one vote majority in the Senate. Were desperate to get her back on the floor of the Senate so they could get stuff passed because it's you know one vote difference. Uh, and uh, it, she really is out of it. From what I can tell, she's not there. She's really not making decisions. And she is one of 100 senators uh, with a very, very, uh, lots of power and uh, lots of influence. She's one of our, our most senior senators in the Senate. Uh, there has to come a point where people can say, wait a minute, it, you know, the doctor says you, you can't do this. Uh, there are procedures within the House and the Senate whereby they can expel members. But I think we need a special procedure whereby those rules can get softened up, perhaps, if the uh, senator or a representative is really losing it. And we now have multiple examples uh, where there's concern 
uh, about very important legislators uh, not being on the ball. Well, you know, maybe they should have uh, an, an election to to fill that seat so the people can decide, especially in the House of Representatives, you know, whether or not somebody's uh, capable of of filling the office. I feel a little bit strange about the, you know, it being in-house because the power dynamics are so close now and everyone's so partisan that they're mostly interested in just keeping control. And not that I have very much confidence in the in the people of California to vote Feinstein out, but they could definitely... I think they would vote her out and replace her with somebody else who's equally bad, but um, at least it would be a choice of the people and not the machinations of the Senate and Congress trying to maintain their power structures. Here's a question, though. I agree with you. There should be some kind of something in place that subjects these Congress people to uh, rigors. They have to prove that they're cognitively rigorous in order to get in. Um, but what about what about we have lower age limits uh, for age limits for for office which i think was very wise on the part of the founders because they experienced of course in european politics infants rising to the throne and regents taking over for them and controlling controlling the realm while they still had the nominal power they they found this to be of course absurd and they wanted to avoid that they understood uh, you know where people how people evolved and so they they they, they there's sort of a natural evolution in in holding office from you know a certain age up to you know the presidency but what about what about lower age limits with respect to voting now it used to be 18 the democrats want to lower it to 16 which i think is absurd i want to raise it the conservatives want to raise it but i think you shouldn't vote until you have a stake in the community you shouldn't vote if you're living off of somebody else you shouldn't vote in, if your if your college is being paid for by your parents and you have you have no concept of what it's like to earn money and pay taxes, they say twenty one. I say we go back to sort of the Greek notion that you become a citizen at thirty. Let's say you. Well, you know what's interesting is the founding fathers gave twenty five as the minimum age for um, uh, membership in the House of Representatives, yes. and they were completely unaware, of course, of contemporary neurophysiology. Uh, the the scientists tell me that our brains are only done baking sometime in our early 20s. By the time we're 25, in our mid-20s, our brains have only then really fully developed in most people. So most people's brains are still baking in their early 20s. Um, wow. Uh, and uh, the the you know the cake's not done yet. <laughs> the founding fathers, you know, twenty five was when it basically kicks in. So, but you're right. I am in general. I am not big on this open up the franchise uh, idea to everybody. No, I don't think. Of course, it, there should be any kind of invidious, irrational discrimination, women or race or religion or anything like that. That's absurd. On the other hand, when it comes to felons not being able to vote. I'm all in favor of taking away. They don't have no doubt. You you can tell me they're going to decide what should be a crime and what the penalties of crime should be after they have done a serious crime? No, mm -hmm. sir. That seems to me a perfectly valid way of disqualifying a voter, although the left is screaming bloody murder. People in prison on murder, as far as they're concerned, should have the right to vote. And so we've heard that movement lately uh, give, expand the uh, franchise to everybody, including Charles Manson. Uh, that's the left's current uh, position on things. Uh, and the, uh, you're right. When it comes to age, I have no problem increase, increasing the age, uh, uh, minimum age uh, limit for voting, uh, frankly, uh, until their brains bake a little <laughs> more, as I was saying and, earlier. And and they're not in the they're not in the academic mesh anymore. They're not caught up in the web of you know of the establishment. They're now out on their own, trying to make it on their own. 
and and they see they'll see better what the establishment does to them and they can make choices based on that knowledge it's really funny how you know well churchill said the very he said something i disagree with on a moral basis he said if you're not yeah. you know on the left when you're a socialist when you're when you're young you you have no heart if you're not a conservative when you're older you have no brain yeah. um, <laughs> i disagree with his view of what heart consists of and what is really benevolent for the poor, obviously. So that part of the premise is wrong. But he has a point. If you if you think about it for a second, uh, when it comes certainly when it comes to economic issues, the polls are quite clear. As uh, the population ages, they become a little more responsible when it comes to financial and economic issues. Funny how that works when they get jobs and have kids and suddenly have to make real world practical decisions that way. They get a little more you know economically sound in their thing. You're right. Life experience itself teaches people and. Uh, uh, no, I, I think I'd be opposed to poll taxes. You know, a lot of people have made the proposal uh, that if you only taxpayers, only people who pay tax in some form should be permitted to vote. And, you know, I'm, sometimes my sympathy leans strongly in that direction. Well, well that would also that that would also but that would also include uh, illegal immigrants. Uh, of course, I'm not against immigration, even illegally immigrating here, because I think that's a, a right, a, a right to move from one place to another. They do pay sales taxes. They may not they don't may not be in the system quite and, and in some states they're allowed to vote in the state and the local elections i don't Both parts local elections new york city mm. and san francisco have allowed illegals to vote but it's only I... federal law does not permit it so that the these elections for congress or senate or president illegals cannot only citizens can can vote in those elections but local governments can make the mayor of their city uh, uh those elections open to illegals and okay, I thought there were. I, I thought there might have been a couple more states that did something like that. Uh, this isn't uh, uh, Daniel, Mr. Producer. We have to. I think uh, we have to mark this as a potential uh, future daily objective. I think we should talk about is voting a right, and is, as the left claims it is, meaning it's in, as inviolable as your right to your life, or is it sort of a a, a civic obligation that comes with. It comes with certain obligations on your own part that you have to meet up to in, in order to do that. And uh, are you disenfranchising people by saying, uh, no, you don't meet the qualifications for voting? I mean, they've they've said no standard should be applicable as as if it's a natural right, quote unquote, natural. Right. I don't think those are our terms, but maybe that they associate them with. I think it's something else, but I think objectivists probably have a very unique perspective. If I have this perspective, I know other objectivists have something similar. Go ahead. Problem I have with the taxes as a qualification to vote is that I'm not a big favor of coercive taxes. Right, <laughs> In right. the world, there wouldn't be coercive taxes, and therefore that shouldn't be a qualification to vote. On the other hand, in our world in which taxes are being extracted and money is being redistributed left and right, it is uh, very tempting almost to, to, to go along that. If you don't have a stake uh, in, in, in this society, what the heck are you doing voting? Uh, and in that sense, you know, the framers had property requirements. For a long time, the franchise wasn't open to every adult male, every adult white male in the yes. country. Yeah, people don't realize that. People don't realize that. It's not only all these other groups like women and, of course, minorities that didn't have the right to vote. Most most folks didn't have the right to vote. And in some cases, I think in in Utah, I want to say in various territories, maybe the state of New Jersey, women could vote provided they 
they had property or were uh, could right. demonstrate they were independent. And in some states, I don't even know if that was a qualification. But so voting was allowed in certain territories and states of the United States for women. But the franchise wasn't open to everybody. This is true. Nor was it recognized as a universal right by the framers at all. It's kind <laughs> of a privilege of being a citizen of the United States to vote. And that's how the framers understood it. Now, voting, they did believe, was an important part of the consent of the governed. So they wanted the voice of the people. They wanted to, you know, to sound out what was popular or not. They had a House of Representatives. They did think that, that we should have some kind of representative uh, form of government. But on the other hand, they did not uh, think that the uh, franchise, the, in other words, the qualifications for the electors should be determined in each state. That's how the original constitution is written. So if you can vote for the state legislature in California, then you can vote in federal elections. It's not the federal government who sets the voting qualifications. It's each of the 50 states who sets yes. their own qualifications. Of course, this is changing now. The federal government wants to start commandeering all elections. And people are agreeing with this now. They don't understand how how powerful a check on federal government the federalist system is you know to make states co-equal shares in power is a very significant check on federal power don't use it don't don't lose it folks you, you need this now um, i'm all in favor of term limits if 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 you want to put term limits on and i don't think it's a huge issue I think it's the again, that's the substance of their policies that more concerns me. But I also don't like these incumbents that stay in there forever and become entrenched in effect aristocracy. The Senate has six year term. It's not like the House where every two years you have to run for reelection. In the Senate, you got six. And the power of incumbency is such by six years, you've got a statewide name recognition and most of your competitors don't really have a chance. And so 90 plus percent of incumbents get elected. And so people like Dianne Feinstein or Joe Biden, when he was in the Senate, they can spend yeah. decades. They can spend 30 years in the Senate, most of their careers in the Senate. Well, you, they are professional politicians. I, right. I, and I think that's that's terrible given that we have a regulatory state because then they become, you know, the abusers of state power and potential profiteers. Um, and in that case, it's dangerous. But, you know, sometimes somebody who knows the ropes, if if they didn't have such a system, if we did, didn't have a regulatory state, could be a very interesting uh, person. I have some super chats and then we have to wrap it up real quick. Lucinda has been a member for five months. Thank you, Lucinda. Jeff Bannister has been a member for 15 months. Uh, no ageism unless incapacitated. I think he agrees with us in that sense. I am in favor of term limits. He agrees with you. I have uh, a different position and he has given us $4 Canadian. Thank you, sir. Uh, Regina has been a member for 15 months. Thank you for your inspiring work. Thank you, Regina, for being out there and listening and watching. Christopher Smith, uh, 299 Canadian. That's all. He's just he's just given us that. Well, thank you very much, folks, for your contributions. We hope we've cleared this up. We don't think there should be an upper age limit, but there should definitely be cognitive qualifications. You should prove that you are capable of doing the job that is set before you. You have to be in good health. Uh, and that in includes mental and physical health. Any final words, James, before we conclude today? No, just always a pleasure to talk to you. You know, if you find these conversations of value, please consider becoming a subscriber to Ayn Rand Center UK. We are creating a worldwide community of serious students of objectivism. And if you think that's important, please hit like, share, comment, and do become a subscriber. Yes, folks, make objectivism mainstream. It's a tribalistic world out there. We're the only ones who offer a rational alternative to the tribes. 
And uh, so hit that like and subscribe button. And uh, oh, we have the Daily Collective coming up, climate catastrophe or aliens, which will arrive first. Now, this is going to be an interesting <laughs> topic. I think I might have to join in on this one. James, it's always great seeing you. Um, and I can't wait to do it again with you. And folks, all you objectivists and non-objectivists out there, always remember to check your premises. Peace. <laughs>